0: This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. In Purgatorio 3, we find Virgil and Dante still in anti-Purgatory, still on Easter morning. It's a funny place anti a place for souls who are saved but who also need extra time before they begin the painful process of purgation. Some of them repented really late, some of them are still kind of emotionally involved with their earthly affairs, some of them just aren't in a hurry. So it's a place fraught with delay. It's also a place of confusion. Dante and Virgil are still getting used to this place. Neither of them has been here before. They have both just been scolded by Cato, the Roman statesman who serves as Purgatorio's guardian. So Virgil now needs a little time to recover what Dante calls his dignity, l'honestate. Then the perspective shifts. Dante sees the slope of Mount Purgatory, their destination, rising up in the distance. Dante also sees his shadow slicing through the Easter morning sunlight that falls on the plain. Yes, it's still Easter morning. Dante notices that his shadow is alone. He thinks he's alone. So he turns around and there is faithful Virgil, not only present, but ready to offer an explanation. Unlike Dante, Virgil is a shade in a fleshless body. We get some theology here, almost as though logical discourse for Virgil is a way of reclaiming some dignity. Question: How are these bodies able to feel pain? Answer: Only the divine mind knows, the three-in-one. Foolish is he who tries to penetrate the mystery. But then Virgil's logical discourse actually seems to distract him from their new environment. It's Dante who notices now that a first group of souls are approaching. These are the excommunicate souls, exiled from the church, and yet saved. They look like frightened little sheep, pecorelli, learning to move as a flock. They appear modest, as though humbled by forgiveness, aware of their sin. And yet the poem tells us that they are also honesta, dignified, self-possessed. Why are they dignified? On the one hand, they seem a little scared, a little bashful. On the other hand, their salvation against the Church's official judgment is a cause for rejoicing. But perhaps their salvation also, in a sense, restores their dignity. It restores their personhood. It makes them whole. In an earlier work, The Convivio, Dante frequently uses this word onestà to explore the concept of nobility. Dante writes that it's commonly supposed that nobility derives from high birth, wealth, or social rank, but actually nobility derives from the presence of virtue in the soul, virtue that is planted there by God. The excommunicate souls seem to manifest in their appearance, in their bodies, a nobility that derives from repenting at the last minute and from being forgiven. Their dignity perhaps derives from their salvation. And it's striking that the word honesta echoes l'onestare, the dignity that Virgil was just now trying to reclaim. It poses a question. Are dignity and nobility things we are born into? Or are they things that we lose and reclaim? Or are dignity and nobility things that we are given, things that we receive? Both the new and the old concepts of nobility, both high birth and divinely given virtue, are embodied in the person of Manfred, a beautiful young king who now emerges from the crowd. Dante was born too late ever to have seen Manfred in person, but he knew the details of Manfred's life. Manfred was wounded and killed in battle in 1366, and his death wounds to the head and to the breast were so well-known that they might easily have alerted Dante to his identity. As he greets the poets, Manfred smiles. He points out the death wounds to the head and to the breast on his body. And yet Dante says he does not know who this Adonis-like soul can be. Manfred introduces himself and then immediately asks Dante to share the good news with Manfred's beloved daughter Costanza when Dante returns to the present life, to share the good news of Manfred's last breath, repentance and salvation. On this Easter morning, Manfred's presentation of his body combined with Dante's inability to recognize him seemed to echo the resurrected Christ, pointing out his own death wounds to reassure those who know and love him of who he is. Like Christ, Manfred died violently and he died humbly, giving himself up to God. Like Christ, Manfred is now joyfully exalted. So we might say that Manfred is Christ-like in his humility, and yet also Christ-like in his dignity, the dignity divinely instilled in the process of salvation. Like Christ's body, Manfred's body graphically reports the story of sin and salvation— Manfred rebelled against the church, and in battling the church, he received these iconic death wounds. But in the very moment he received those wounds, he repented of that rebellion. That cleft brow recapitulates the motif of sunlight cleft by Dante's body, reminding us that Dante has a real fleshly body, a body that might also manifest the miracle of forgiveness. We have Christ's body, we have Manfred's body, we have Dante's body. We also have Virgil's fleshless body which stands to the side like a question mark. In the case of Manfred, it's conspicuous that it is not his birth but his body that now makes his dignity visible. Dante's denial of knowing who Manfred is seems to deliberately stage the contrast between Manfred's rank, his high birth, his spectacular rebellion, everything that Dante knew of Manfred already, and what Dante sees now. A miraculous Manfred, a manifestation of God's readiness to love and forgive. A smiling king, a Christ-like figure, a beautiful body marked by sin and salvation. Manfred seems somehow set apart, but why? Perhaps more than any other souls we will meet in purgatory, Manfred seems to embody this joy of salvation. His account of his salvation is rhapsodic, lush with thanksgiving for God's goodness. Horrible were my sins, but the infinite good has such great arms, si gran braccia, that it receives anyone who turns to it. Manfred emphasizes the great span of God's love. There is no one who so loses the eternal love that it cannot be regained. At the same time that Manfred extols the mercies of the God who gladly pardons, implicitly criticizing the mistakes of corrupt clergy, the poem notes the consequences of rebellion against the Church. For each rebellion, thirty-fold times in antipurgatory, unless that sentence is reduced by the prayers of the living. We begin to see in this passage some of the details of God's justice. God is not indifferent to rebellious sin against the Church. Yet, the gravity of sin seems ultimately to enhance Manfred's radiant joy in recounting the mercy that he has received. As the canto ends, Manfred repeats his request. See now if you can make me glad, revealing to my good Costanza how you have seen me. Manfred's salvation is a deeply relational event, increasing his love for God prompting him to lovingly remember and be remembered by his daughter, and now inspiring him to approach Dante to help him. In recounting his experience of God's mercy, Manfred approaches Dante in love, as though inviting Dante to join him in the joy of salvation, and asking Dante to show love to him by delivering a good report to Costanza and soliciting her prayers. Dante's encounter with Manfred offers an opportunity for Dante both to offer and to receive love from this noble, beautiful soul. To convey the news of God's mercy requires Dante to acknowledge his own need for God's mercy. It requires a fundamental sense that the great love of God for humans is actually the basis for love among humans. God's mercy makes it possible for humans to reach out to each other in love, even beyond the severances of death. To know one's own sins and to know oneself as loved and forgiven is a source of dignity, a source of humility, and a cause for joy. For Manfred, the story of salvation is expressed in the body. The body tells a salvation story, sings a salvation song. What can this mean for Dante and for his body, his flesh and blood? What is the story that his body will tell? Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.